Another edition of the Behind the You podcast, and we are joined by Vernon Carey. Appreciate you coming on, Vernon. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, we saw each other at the Legends Camp, either there or prior or since. Have you spent any time with uh, Coach Cristobal and offensive line coach Alex Mirabal? Oh, no, I haven't. Um, I haven't been down there, but I was supposed to go down there for Kane Fest on Saturday. Okay, perfect. Now, was Mario on staff at all while you were there? Yes. When I got there, he was the GA. So for your role, yeah, he was the O line GA and the O line assistant and the GA for the um for the offense. So he used to show the cards for the defense. He used to be the guy who used to go do the running around, get the coffee and the donuts for all the other coaches. <laughs> he's, now he's the head man. So you know, I, I share that story with my kids. You know, like you got to start off at the bottom, but you know, if you put the time in and, and be committed and be resilient in what you're trying to achieve, you could reach high levels. So what was he like? Oh, man, he's the same guy. Same guy, man. Same guy. Um, passionate, care about the little things, the detail, you know, because when I got there, he had just shredded his body. So he was getting into, I guess you call it the um, karate and stuff like yeah. that, jitsu and all that stuff. So he was big into that and just taking care of your body and stuff like that. So he was trying to teach me and Brian McKinney those things when we had first got there. So, he, I mean... I, I love Crystal Ball, man, and all the things he's doing there and, and putting that team together and, and putting all those great coaches together. So, you know, Jason Taylor and all those other guys, you know, Kevin Beard, I played with. So it's just guys that I played with, just guys I know, and I know it's going to be a lot of um, passion and commitment in that in that coach's locker room. So we'll talk about JT in a little bit. I, I did a little research for this, listening to your appearance on the fish tank with uh, OJ and Seth Levitt. So okay. I know we got to have a couple of good JT stories in there. I imagine, Vernon, part of your appreciation and adoration for Coach Cristobal is you look at that first recruiting class and where did he start? He started yeah. on that offensive line. Yes, sir. And he just knows he knows where, you know, where you win games at right there in the trenches, you know, front line, offensive line and D line. So, you know, you got to get guys up front who could hold the line and give your um, running back or your quarterback a chance to get the ball down the field, you know? So you redshirted, right? Yes, sir. So how did you feel about redshirting then, and how did you feel after the fact about how redshirting either helped you or benefited you in terms of your development? Um, It definitely benefited me. Um, You know, it gave me a chance to focus more on detail and technique, you know, because when I first got there, I was strong, but I didn't really have the technique, you know, so – red shirt in that first year and get to see how things truly go. Um, I think that's always a good thing, you know, to learn, not just get thrown in the fire all the time, you know? So it's good to go through the year and learn, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. I always like to ask guys that are on this podcast about what you just talked about, right? Which is that to me, at least the way I've always approached football, having been around it and learned it, didn't play it, didn't play it. There are so many details, right, to playing the game. You know, I think a lot of people look at someone like you. He's big and strong. They look at Andre Johnson. He can run and catch. But, like, there's so much that goes into, hell, one play, let alone a whole game plan, a whole training camp. If you gave the playbook to somebody, they probably would have any idea what they were looking at. So from an offensive line perspective, what are some of those details? What are some of the little things that you learned foot, foot placement, um, hand placement, everything matters because if you don't got your hands in the right place. If you don't have your feet in the right, right zone step where the whole line is taking the right step because you got to be in unit. So it's almost like the hand thing. They say, you know, if that one, if the thumb move, the finger and all the other fingers got to move together too. So you got to stay in unit as an O line. 
So when I take a left step, everybody should be taking a left step. That's what the linebackers looking at. The linebackers are reading the linemen. They saying, okay, what step they taking? Because usually that dictates where the ball is going. If everybody's stepping left, hell, the ball might be going left. But now we got plays where you got tricky dickery plays where, yeah, you take a step left, but the back going right, you know, so because it makes the, the the defense pause for a second, and that's just enough for that back to get going, you know, you know, because he had used to have plays like fake left, thirty eight toss right, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, everybody taking a step, and the whole defense go that way, but then the back going that way, so that's how you get a little quick three four yards, you know. Well, if you had RPO back in your day, because that's another cheat code, the RPO, Ooh. the RPO, the run pass option, where it looks like oh. it looks like it looks like run and it becomes pass. We did have some some of that stuff. We started a little bit with the um, Wildcat. You remember with the yes. Well, that was at the Dolphins. Yeah, that's all right. You're, yeah, you're but you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. We didn't have it at UM. <laughs> you know, it was just true play action. Literally, the running game set up the passing game. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! What advice would you give those guys? Because that, that offensive line group in Miami is the heralded part of that recruiting class of what Mario's starting to build. And clearly it starts in the trenches, right? That's where he's going to start and he's going to build out. But if, if you had a chance to sit down with those guys, what advice would you give them? What could you take back from your time and say, hey, look, learn from someone who's been in your shoes. What would you tell them? Focus every day in practice, working on your technique, um, let it become second nature. You practice so much at it that it becomes a habit and it's second nature that you're not thinking about it in game time because when you get in game time, you don't have time to think about it. So it has to become second nature. So in order for that to happen, you have to practice it and, and practice and practice and practice and hours and hours of practice. So it's just a natural reaction. Hopefully that's what I would teach the kids, you know, like really focus on the detail because it's not high school. High school, you just get away with the strength. You know, you're bigger, you get just stronger and more. But when you, once you get in this level, everybody else doing the same thing you're doing and the elite of the elite is with, with you. And hell, even at the next level, it's the elite of the elite of that, you know? So it's just, it's just another level. You just got to keep evolving. So speaking of high school, like how much bigger, like it was, you were probably, it was probably unfair for you in high school. Well, we, actually, I was in Dade County, so I know, I do. Yeah, I mean, we had some games where it was yeah, it was embarrassing, but and then you had some good games where we we had talent. You know, you had to play against talent because I had guys that I played in my same conference. I had role at Central, who went to University of Florida, and then I had Louis Gatchlin from Jackson, who went to Syracuse. So I had some guys in high school that I had to go against that were elite guys, just as as myself. You know what I mean? How, so how big were you coming in? How big were you? That was always the big story. How big? Um, were you? it was. I was like three fifty. That's being nice. <laughs> 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 yeah, I came in a little bit on heavy, but I got it right. In all seriousness, how challenging was that? Well, that, that probably was the hardest thing of my whole sports career. Was just to get my weight down, trying to get right be able to perform at a high level for the whole game. So that was like probably the hardest thing. But once I understood what I had to do, then I put the commitment and the time and effort into it. And who kind of, who opened your eyes to that? 
just wanted it bad enough. When you want something bad enough, you figure it out, you know? So that was one of the things I wanted bad enough. And I paid attention to people around me. So once you pay attention to, we had a lot of success stories around. So, <laughs> so who <laughs> are those people? Work. Who are those people you paid attention I to? I mean, you can watch Ed Reed, you can watch EJ, um, Santa the Malls, Dan Morgan. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, um, Bubba Frank, Chalky, Winslow, Shanti. You know, just guys everywhere. So you know, you had a locker room full of first rounders, and if you want to be it, just pay attention to what's going on around you. So for you, was that was it that simplistic, meaning you were just able to watch, see, and then understand what you had to do? Yes. You know, just had a locker room full of studs. So when you have a locker room full of studs, hey, you get down and you act like you belong and, and prepare and, and train in such a manner where you become one, you know? It's interesting because I, I, this is the part I love, considering I didn't play the sport. I like that because I did apply to life too, right? Like just trying to be successful. So when you saw those guys, yeah, you saw first rounders, but what were they doing that made an impression on you that motivated you to want to be that? Just the willing to commit and lay it all on the line for each other. You know what I mean? And that's what we did. You know, we, we had a real good bond when we was down there at U1. You know, everybody pushed one another and we wanted to achieve greatness. We wanted to win, you know? We didn't want to win, we wanted to win, win, you know? So, you know, we played with a lot of pride, a lot of savage, I mean, um, style and, and you know we, we had we had some savage on the teams you know but we play hard and we wanted to win and we did so was the challenge for, or the commitment that you had to make to yourself was to get yourself in the best shape possible yep. so that you could perform at the highest level yeah yeah that was that was the main thing and once i did that everything else kind of took care of itself the rest of my career I'd imagine you felt a lot better, right? Once it actually happened. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, I mean, you just got to commit. You know, everybody has their own little little battles that they have, but you just got to talk, you know, get into your own mind and, and commit to what you're trying to achieve. What would you cut out? I got a chef. <laughs> At, in college? I got a chef, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a chef in college? It. Well, not in college, but, like, on the way going out of college, I did. I definitely did because I just I just paid it out of my money. I, I sacrificed. But that's what it takes, right? Yes. Yeah. It costs money. <laughs> but it costs money to make money. Cost money, but you made money, so it was good. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. What was your room like, the offensive line room? There's so many characters in that room. Oh, man. The young days, it was a lot of people, you know, but then as you got in the middle, you had like Joaquin, you had Bebola, you had Romberg, you had Ann Wilkins, you had Sherco, you had Bryant. So you had a lot of big guys in there and we, it was all personalities from all over the world. You know, you had Romberg from Canada, you had Richard Merced from Canada, you know, so you got guys from all over the map. And it's just different nationalities in the room. So that was different for me when I first got there coming from I guess you could call it the hood, you know, from Miami Northwestern and just coming in there with all people from Canada. One of my closest friends, um, Joe McGrath, he's from Musha, Saskatchewan, <laughs> Canada, you know what I mean? So it's just crazy, man, that when you go to college, you get to meet new people and, and learn about new experiences and new lifestyles and other people's culture. Hell, I got to go to Jason, um, Walter Payton house. 
Did you? We gotta go. I got to shoot guns in this house in the um. What do they call it? The gun range in the in the secret alley in their house. They had in like Chicago. A, yes, in Chicago, they had a house where you push the window and you got a gun range, and then like they got the signs, the targets, and it's like about 20, 30 feet. I might embarrass myself here. Was he? Still, did you meet his dad? I don't know. Was he? No, I didn't get to meet his dad. Then. His dad passed away when he first got the uniform. Okay. So I didn't get to meet him. I, I got. I, I went to the house after he passed away. Yeah. So were you Vernon Carey from the hood to those guys? Nah, Back nah, then. nah, nah. I was a good guy. I've always been a good guy. That's you know, what I'm saying. Like, you don't, like, yeah. did you that's ever... Did... I try to, that's, that's, that's my goal, <laughs> to be did that it, guy. So, no, but growing up in that environment, did that, did you have to grow up more quickly? Did you have to adjust? Yeah, I mean, that's just life. You know, Um, you have to adjust and you know how to carry yourself because, you know, you got good people, you got bad people, but you have that everywhere. But you just got to know, you know, how to carry yourself because everybody's not in your best interest. So you just got to know that. All right, so you were not Vernon Carey. So, but did you feel like you fit in pretty quick with those guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, because I was more quiet than anything. So you can't, you can't be too much out of place if you just be quiet. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Now, Vernon, I'm pretty sure Bryant McKinney's the one that told me this because he's been on the podcast. He also redshirted, right? You guys came in together and he redshirted too, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was him, but if not, you can you can try and – fill it in i think he said like that whole your freshman year his first year right he was coming in from juco that you guys spent a lot of time in the weight room together i think yeah, it was yeah. him that told me that was that who your partner was yeah 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 we worked out always we were like roommates but we weren't roommates because he had his own room i had my own room right next to each other and then i was one of the, i was from miami and i had the car as a freshman so everybody kind of bum ride to me um jumped in my car and bum ride so and then as long as they give me my little two dollar five dollar gas yeah, I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think when you first saw Brian? Now, you're a big dude. Brian McKinney. Well, Brian wasn't that big. He was real skinny when he first got there. He gained weight as he got, you know, at, at UM. He was a real skinny guy. Yeah, because I think he was, wasn't he a defensive lineman or something? Yeah. He wasn't, yeah, he got bigger when he got here. Okay. All right. So, he, he you were losing weight. He was gaining weight. Well, I was heavy and he was small. <laughs> you need to miss. <laughs> <laughs> But he caught up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did he catch up? That's a different dude. Yeah. Who was in your recruiting class? Andre Johnson, Kevin Beard, Clint Portis, Philip Buchanan, Ken Dorsey, me. Kevin Beard was really good in high school. Really? I mean, he's the backflip. He's got such down be the guy who did backflip. He was real good. Um, did you well, Did you know him yeah. before you got to Miami? Yeah. I'm, I, actually, I was one of the guys who recruited everybody that year. Really? I remember I was the first guy to commit that year. And right after that, we got Andre Johnson to commit. Because he was thinking about going to USC. And I got him to commit. I got him to come with us to meet on um, Miami. And then we ended up getting Kevin Beard. Because I remember Kevin Beard almost beat us by himself at Northwestern. He almost beat us by himself. He was They had that quarterback in him, and they would just throw bombs all day. He would end up in the end zone doing bad flips on everybody. <laughs> But, Wait, so you um, guys play? You played plantation in high school? Yeah, we played them in the playoffs. The second round of playoffs, it was like 21-21 at half. And I was like, oh, my goodness, they, they good. But we knew they were good. But then the second half, we just put so much pressure on the quarterback that they couldn't get the ball up. So we ended up beating them like 49-21. So, Kevin, I've known Kevin a long time. Good dude. He, great dude. I was he, was just gonna say, he was my roommate, too. That's how, I was just to say, you guys are like, forget body types, you're like the same person. Yeah, good dude, real good. Kind, dude. gentle, pleasant, 
pure. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. always got a yeah. smile on his face, as nice as they can be. Yep. So you guys were roommates. Yeah, we was roommates. And then I had my son, and then I kind of started being home with my 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 wife. Well, my wife now, yeah, she was my girlfriend then. But I don't start being over there more. Any good dirt on KB? I can use it when I see him down. Nah, he a good dude. He a good dude. Great dude. McKinney, you said, kind of small and grew. But when you first locked eyes on Andre, well, did you know Andre in high school? Yeah, I knew Andre in high school. We we drove together to the um Florida and Georgia game. I drove with him and his mom to the Florida and Georgia game. So I was going to say, when I first saw him, I was like, damn. But I guess that wasn't much of a surprise to you since you already knew him. Nah, nah. Oh, yeah, I got one little brag over him. I did win the Office Player of the Year, the Miami Herald Office Player of the Year. Overall. You beat out Andre? Yeah, I beat him out. Yeah, I assume you've told him that a few times. Nah, nah, nah. He, he don't care about that. He made, he made way more money than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I go visit him sometimes. When I, or I build houses in Houston. So sometimes I'm in Houston and um he has a club out there. So we kind of catch up and link up and 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 chop it up. So how did you how'd you get to building houses in Houston? Well, during the pandemic, well, I, I used to build houses before, but um now um my cousin, me and him, we started our own little company during the um pandemic. And we ended up buying land and start building houses. How'd you pick Houston? It was a good market. Um they were redoing the area, so we took advantage of the opportunity. Good job by you. Wealth is made in real estate. You might make money in football. You make wealth in real estate. That's how you keep it going. That's how you keep it growing with the economy. Join us at Gulfstream Park this spring with live action Thursday through Sunday. Enjoy entertainment outdoors at the Carousel Club or feast in 10 Palms. Not hungry? Visit our many on-site shopping locations from fashion stores to home furnishings. For schedules, reservations, and tickets, visit gulfstreampark.com. There's two guys that have really never come up on this podcast, but I feel like you might be able to shed some light on them. Is the Weaver twins? Ah, yeah. How why, how crazy were they? Oh man, those wild boys, man. They were, <laughs> they were they were the they were the double vision twins in high school at Miami Northwestern. All the players loved them. Great guys, man. Great energy. Played with a lot of passion, a lot of heart, and they ended up coming to UN with me. I want to go back because you mentioned you were the first to commit. So why were you the first? What was it about Miami then, right? I mean, what you guys accomplished is one thing, but you came on the front. Of, you came before that. So why did you come to Miami? I came to Miami because I believe they could turn it around. You know, Butch and Pete did a great job of convincing me. And, you know, when I was coming out, I was the number one office lineman in the country. So it was a lot of people calling me and aggravating me. And I was this close to going either Florida State or Ohio State. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to stay home. You know, I want to make Miami um, good again and be a part of that. And also, my high school coach was Roland Smith. He was? Yes, he was my he was my cornerback coach in high school. And he probably did a great job of picking me up every morning and talking to me about your every morning. <laughs> so that, that worked my senior year, too. And he used to let me wear the rings, too. Which, oh, did he? Yeah, he was like, hey, man, you want to try that championship ring on? I'm like, yeah, that looked nice, coach. So, you know, having a coach as a young player, that that kind of – but he should have did a better job of that when he was at Central. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him that. I will yeah. tell him that. So he was your – he was a coach on the team. He wasn't the head coach. Nah, he wasn't the head coach then. He was just the cornerback coach. Anybody he ended up winning about seven and eight state championships oh after that. God. Isn't that crazy, right? Oh, my God. Who was the head coach at the West? Billy Roll. Oh, it was Billy Roll. 
Yeah. He he had a good he's at FAMU, I think. He's was Ice on your staff too? Yep, he was my offensive coordinator. I call him the best coach I ever had. Why is that? Just his passion. You know, um, he's able to reach kids and communicate to them and get the best out of his players. And I thought he did a great job because he know how to push buttons, but he'll break you too if you if you're not strong enough. But he's definitely he's one of my all-time favorite coaches. I tell him all the time, you know. I go out there and um do some things with them at Booker T. So I, I like I like Ice. Always nice. I invite him to my wedding, so he's a good guy. So you must also like that his son's on the staff. Oh yes, 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 yes. I remember when they were little kids. They used to be around the practice too. So that that show you, man. <laughs> Absolutely. You were the first, and you just said something that I think is really unique when it comes to what Mario's trying to do here, which is you said you wanted to be part of building it back, or you wanted to be part of winning. And I think Miami's yes. really at this is kind of at a similar spot now, right? Like, yeah, you we're right there. A- we're right there. I think we're right there because now we're starting to bring in these top classes. And I think we were one of the first top classes. I think my class was the first top class coming back out of that probation period. Yeah, you got one, two hitters because you had Edger James, you had Bubba Fanks. You know, you start hitting, you had Damian Lewis, you know, you start hitting good. And then next thing you know, you start hitting five first rounders in each class, you know? So, it got kind of really good with recruits from high school. But what I wanted to ask is, because I've talked about this with Coach Cristobal and others there, which is when you actually do it, right, when you're a part of it, which you were, how special it is when you actually accomplish it. Oh, it's amazing. But when you're in it, you don't even really appreciate it like you do after, you know? Like, I'm sure you, you hear guys say it all the time. Like, when we was doing it, we were just doing it, man. We was just having fun doing what we do. Like, we believe every game we went to was going to win, and we was just wondering how we were going to win, by how much, you know? So it was never the question we was going to play a game. It was like, we're going to win a game. We're not going to play a game. We're going to win a game. We just don't know how much we're going to win by. That's what I think separated us so much at that time because even guys we played against, they already knew. You know, you had the one-two rivalry games that, you know, they was going to come play. But even during my last two or three years, it wasn't a rivalry. We just beat them. Florida State. So where did that come from? Where did all that desire to win or know where did that come from? The way we prepared. You know, you prepare so hard with Swayze and and we just believe, you know, you got to think, we, the year before, we should have won that year. I think that's one of the best teams if you ever oh, yeah. ask. Don't forget four first rounds on that, that team, you know, and you still had the team we just had. So they were just sitting on the bench most of them. That <laughs> team was, it was nasty. Just one of those things, um, you know, Ed Reed and Brian McKinney made a decision. Hell, William Joseph, too. They all made a decision to come back another year and for a national championship. And, you know, their commitment, their sacrifice got us to be one of the best teams in college football and also won a national championship. And they got rewarded by being high first rounders. So, you know. That, that was a great ending story. What was your quarterback like? Mr. Dorsey, when he, when oh he... man, amazing. I mean, he came into class with us too, and he was always one of those dudes that's always in the books. You know, it's no, it's no um, surprise that he's an office coordinator and probably in line to be a next NFL football coach, but he's always been that guy. That's how he got to play as a freshman. He, he was one of those guys, everybody be playing video games as a freshman, not him. He'd be in the book because that's what he wanted to, you know, he had to work a little extra harder, you know. So great, great quarterback. Reason and we I, had a lot of success because of him. And I've been told he was 
a passionate like he might look like this, but yes, don't yes. cross him. Don't cross him. Bro, bro, he had that, he had that, he had that on um, fire that you see Brady have. He had that. He had that. Come on, guys, let's do it. You know, because when you win so much like he was winning, you only know one way, you know, it rubs off, it becomes contagious. Absolutely. So 2000 UMFSU, did you play in the game? 2000? The in the Orange Bowl, the one you find when 27-24, Shockey catches the game winner. Oh, no. I probably was on the field goal unit, but I was there. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what? That game there was one of those games that made me train all summer to be a part of it the next year. Those games, you'll sit there and watch those games and just see the fans and remember how hot it was. And I just remember during the summer, I was like, I will be a part of that next year. You know what I mean? Type of feeling, you know? So, and I was the next year and the year after that, the year after that, you know? So you got to go through something a little bit in life. And once you get your mind made up on something, you achieve your goals. I'm going to give you a softball, actually. I'm not giving you a fastball. I'm giving you a softball. There was so much, right? We all know how much talent was on those teams, all the first-round picks. But I feel, oddly enough, that sometimes your group, I won't say it gets lost in the shuffle, but it's like the, un, I won't say it's the untold story, but like Dorsey never got touched. Dorsey never got touched. You know, they talk about interceptions and touchdowns. Well, that's, that was Kehoe, Coach Kehoe's thing. He used to tell us, we keep him up, we win. That's what he used to always tell us. It was just that simple. We keep him up, we win. So every game, we just did our job, our job and we did our best to put our quarterback in the best position because we knew we could give him some time. He's going to make a good decision. And we have great skill players that's going to make the play. You know, once they get the ball, that's it. So it was just exciting to have all that talent out there on the perimeter, even in the backfield. Think about it. He had Frank Gore, Willis McGay, um, Najee Portis Dabble. at some point, right? And Clinton Porters. Yeah, like you had all four of those guys just back there like a a factory. <laughs> Whoever you throw back there is just going to keep you pop. Hell, even Jason Gaddis was popping it when he was back there. So and he, I remember when he came out of school, he was the number one player in the country. Like he was uh, number two or something. I'm talking in the country. Yeah, he was. We were getting, we were getting top guys like dudes number one, number two. Um, DJ Williams, number one player in the country coming out of high school. You know what I mean? So I remember I used to go walking with the coaches, and it, this might be the, the problem was you know we I think some of the coaches started to get cocky. Like hey, they don't want to be here. We don't need them. You know, but you got to still recruit. You know, you got to still do your job and do your diligent work. Did you play? Now <clears throat> I know this came up in your pro career playing multiple positions along the offensive line. Was it the same way at Miami? Did you play different spots too, or did you have a kind of a position that you were entrenched at? Um, I love right tackle, but I ended up getting moved to left guard my senior year. Um, my last year, you know, they wanted me to go over there with Eric Winston. It was his first year playing left tackle. So they wanted a vet over there to help him out a little bit. And they wanted to move Carlos Joseph. God bless him. He passed away like two years ago. Move him to right tackle. And Chris Myers was over there, so it was good. It was, it was, it just wanted to balance the line out and see. And then they sold me on it'll make you more valuable. You, you can play multiple positions. I was like, okay, tell me. But you always love right because it happened to you in the pros too, right? Didn't yeah, you it happened to me in pros. I, I was mad about that in the pros because in the pros, I was really starting to really lock it down. Like I had mastered the technique like a certain way on that side, and then they moved me to the left side. I was like, ah. So it was always a little something, but that's part of life. You know, it's always a curveball. So you get comfortable, something always going to come at you. <laughs> I don't want to bring up something bad, but 2000, does 2003 still like 
fester inside of you, Ohio State? Uh, I remember when it happened, man. I woke up the next morning like it was a bad dream. I thought it didn't really happen. I thought it was just like, oh, it was a dream. All right, let's get ready for the game. And then I saw ESPN like, yes, it happened. UM lost. I was like, what? <laughs> it was like, it was like not un- unheard of for like two years. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was miserable. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was a bad day the day after because you really had to digest it, you know? Last play, anything you guys would have done different? Uh, Play better the whole game. <laughs> probably, or, you know, probably run the ball a little bit more at the beginning of the game. We, we kind of went away from what we what got us there, you know, a little bit, but that's just my thought. Make this the day your life changes. The all-new UFIT Gyms has been created to give you exactly what you need to accelerate your fitness results, including state-of-the-art equipment and a new cross-functional turf training area. Enjoy personal training as low as $35 and new small group training classes, including HIT+. Plus. Take it to the next level with personalized nutrition from Eat Love, along with anywhere, anytime access to UFIT on demand with over 1,000 workouts. Reach your goals faster at the new UFIT Gyms. So what kind of specimen was McGahey? I, I met him for the first time at the camp with you, and I shook his hand, and I was like, holy crap. I think crap. he's the best back that played at UM. He's my best back because I guess I blocked for him. And he had a lot of yards, and um, he did really well. I, does he own a record? Something. Some I, think it's, record? I, see, I think he went for like 1,728 touchdowns, his, his, whatever that last year was before he went pro. Yeah, that year. That's the year we lost to Ohio State. But, yeah, man, that year was amazing. He used to break tackles and – and get out of things you thought he he was going down. And I just remember what Jason Taylor used to always say about him when he was in the league. When you tackle him, he always get two more yards. He's so built like a Mack truck, him, dude. He's built like a Mack yeah, truck. Yeah, he's, he's very strong. And once you tackle him, he's going to fall two yards forward. So he had two more yards to every carry. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's – in football, three yards is amazing. So <laughs> – if he, if he got one or two yards and he fell, he got tackled and got two more, then he got four, then that was amazing, you know? So, but now, Frank, they all say Frank was unique. Frank was. I was looking at some film the other day, and he he played a lot my, my last year. That was really his year. It was him and J- Jerry Payton sharing time. Frank is just run so hard, and it was hard to tackle him. Really young, ask-questioning type of kid. He loved what he did, and I'm happy for him. I see he just got a job at um the 49ers in the front office. Yeah. He, they they he, say his vision was unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Would you he, go back and watch the film and be like, whoa, I did like, oh damn, I can't believe he saw that. And he, his his lace runs hard. You could like he got one of those running back lace. They run hard. <laughs> Is there like a memorable, not a memorable game you have for you, but like, man, if you look back on a game of one of your teammates. Like best performance by who, what game that you just like, you tell all your friends about or you tell your kids about or something that just always sticks out. College or pro? College. Oh, college. A teammate. So far. <laughs> um, probably, I'll probably say one time in practice, just seeing Reggie Wayne catch the ball with one hand outside the end zone over the, what they call it, the bar post. Yeah. I saw him just jump up and leap up and catch it with one hand like that, like way up in the air. I was like, that's amazing. And I tell people all that all the time. Even when um I think I saw I saw him at um Ed Reed's Hall of Fame induction, and I was like, bro, that was like one of the best plays I ever saw in my life. I know it was practice, but it was still amazing. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, last thing. What was it like going up against Big Vince? 
oh man, that was work, man. But he made me better. It was work every day in practice. And he's one of those dudes always trying to get better. So, you know, it's no no surprise that he'll be in the Hall of Fame and can soon. What was he like in, in the locker years. room? I imagine nobody messed with him. Oh, no, no, no. He's a good guy. He's a fun guy, man. He always making jokes and stuff like that. He's just a good guy, man. He's one of those guys like that, too. All right. So let's talk about your boy, Mr. Taylor. First and foremost, are you surprised that he's coaching at this level? No, I'm not surprised. You know, once he started with high school with his son, you know, I think he got a little itch to it, and he kind of liked it, and he wants to still be around football. He loved football. Football loved him. So, and he loved Miami. He always he always talk about Miami when he used to be in the locker room. So, he finally had King. So, we're glad to have him. Wait, when you guys were at the Dolphins, he would talk about UM? Oh, yeah, man. He loved UM swag. So, he, we finally gave him a um, pass and let him be a part of us. What would he want to know? What would he talk about? Oh, it's just like, man, those guys good or what this and that. And especially when I was there. So he was talking about that, especially when I first got there, he's talking about UM and then he'll, then when we start getting bad, then he'll bust our chops. But he always did like UM though. How would you describe what it was like to go up against him in the NFL in practice? Oh man. When I first got there, honest, I used to be a little nervous, but as I, Kept playing and practicing against him probably like mid-season that first year. I just started getting comfortable and just understanding what I had to do. I mean, you're going to get the Hall, Hall of Fame, All-Pro. I mean, when I got there, he was already All-Pro a couple of times. So it was just like, what? But then I used to hear the stories how when he first got there, Richmond Webb used to fold him up in a chair. So I didn't feel bad. You just got to go through your lickings and get better. And he was ferocious, right? Oh, yeah. Competitor of all competitors. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He got that speed to power. Now, would he ever get into, like, would he talk? Would he get into you? Like, what was he, like, I, he he would speak his mind, right? He was a hard worker, man. He was a hard worker, man. But he got to the end of the career. They took, they took care of him a little bit, so. <laughs> <laughs> you told this story on the fish tank, and those are my guys. I love those guys. We've kind of been parallel in our, in our growth here in the podcast space. Draft night, you think you might be going to Minnesota, and the Dolphins trade up to get you. So what was that experience like? Well, to be honest, I thought I was going to Minnesota because Brian was at Minnesota and Mike Tice, and I had some meetings with them, and they was like, oh, man, you know, we, we think about we need an old lineman. You know, we can have Mac at left, have you at right, and, you know, we have two Kane tackles, you know. So it was looking like that, and then right at the end it was like, but the need for a D is a little bit more so – they knew Dolphins wanted the O-lineman, so they was like, you know what, we'll give them an O-lineman and we'll get DN. So they end up trading, let the Dolphins let, have me. They um end up getting the other guy. The so DN. when you got the phone call, you were staying in Miami, your reaction was? I'm staying home. I thought I was getting on a plane like everybody else that night, but everybody else was getting on the um, plane, and I was just driving down the street. And you were drafted by Wanstat, that group? Wanstat and Dave Spillman. I think he's in Minnesota still, I think. I think, or he might have just left. Now, did you play under Saban, too? Yep. I played under Saban, yeah. I played all under Saban. I did Tony. I just didn't do after, – after Tony left, I, I was done. You were done? Yeah. So I, I was with the Parcel regime. They gave me more years. After they left, the new regime came in. What was the new regime? That wasn't uh, – He was, was the only there one year, too. From Green Bay, I think. What Philbin. Yeah. So, yeah, he was there quick, too. So, 
Coach Cristobal credits working under Coach Saban at Alabama for helping him shape how he is. Can you see some parallels? Oh, yeah, because that's what Saban is. Saban is a detail, everybody do your job type of person. Even Jason Taylor, he played on the Saban, and and Saban loved Jason Taylor. That was his superhero, so he loved him. So that was his his guy, and he's he, he's a guy who just teaches detail, um, being professional, do your job. He's one of those guys, do your job. Don't do nobody else's job, do your job. Everybody do their job, we'll win. So why was JT a, his superhero? Oh, he just that that was I think that's the year he won deepest MVP. So, you know, he he what they call it, schemed him well to put him in position to have high success rate. I got you. Blitzing, put him in positions to, you know, blitz and attack weak offensive linemen, you know, put him in position to have high success. I know your son uh ended up going to Duke, played basketball, etc. But we're gonna make this a feel good. I know Miami recruited him really hard. Really wanted him to go. And I just wanted to know what your experience was like with Coach Larinaga and that staff. Oh, man. Great, great people. They gave us a great host, great, great experience. Um, I think he just wanted to get away from home, you know, experience something new. He'd been here all his life. He wanted to do something different. But if it was me, I would have stayed home. Because, like, the story I, I chose, hey, I want to make home good, you know. So the story could have been all about him, you know. But you know, that's part of life. You know, everybody got to make their own decisions and do what they want to do. You know, what makes them happy. But do you kind of like that? Uh, do you still, do you follow the team or are you a basketball? Can you play basketball? Oh yeah, school, man. Right? I actually almost went to the final, the championship game. I had a ticket. I had a flight to go for the championship game and a ticket if they would have won the final four. So they had to win one more and I would have flew out to um, Houston. But you can see why kids like playing for Coach L. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a um, player's coach. You know, he's, he's fun. He's interactive and he let the kids play. And then the leaves are going to be the last two things. Talk. Let's talk about the restaurant, Green Envy. Where did this idea sprout from? Why, et cetera? Just probably during the pandemic with my kids. Um, always wanted to eat at Tropical Smoothie, eat healthy and wraps and smoothies. And I was like, man, I could do this. You know, and then having a chef at the house for my son. He was getting ready for the NBA draft, eating healthy, clean. And she was like, we're not cooking diet food. We're just going to cook clean food that tastes good just not made in bad ways like fried food and stuff like that so i was like that's a great concept you know like just eating clean and not not necessarily diet food but healthy food with a taste so what's and, on the menu give me something on the menu um we got salmon we got grilled shrimp everything's grilled nothing fried grilled shrimp grilled salmon grilled chicken and our chicken is really amazing and our tuna is to die for and our salmon is to die for I'm not a big shrimp guy, so I, I'm not talking amazing about that. But people love the shrimp. I want that. I want some of that salmon. I think. What's good about it is just the community is embracing it because they truly wanted it, and a lot of people think deprived areas like that don't want healthy food, but they do, and or healthy options. So I just thought outside the box and provided it. It's doing well actually. It's just keep growing because we're partnering with a lot of schools and parks, um, city um officials. So. You know, we do a lot of things, community and get contract. Oh, we just partnered with the Orange Bowl committee too. So we're doing after school program. So it's just a big fun thing. Be able to provide healthy options for kids and stop letting them eat those garbage little frozen sandwiches that they give out of these little places for $2. How much research, how much work did you put into it on the front side, right? Before you launched it? And are you in, are you there? Sometimes you see me there. Sometimes I'm there. Sometimes I'm not, you know, now I hire way more people because we got so much business coming our way 
So I hired more people because I don't want to be doing it every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's more about just, you know, just being with the kids, um, be able to be, be out there and provide healthy options and show kids a better way to eat food. To tie this all together, does any of this come full circle to your story? Like, hey, if this was around when I was playing. This yes, yes. I, it's actually, it's two blocks from where I grew up at. So actually, I got a food truck and a restaurant. And everything's doing really good. So right now, I'm thinking about opening up another shop probably by the summer because it's just getting very... And where are you going to put this one? one? Location. Um, I'm thinking about Miami Gardens or Miramar area. Just what? providing healthy options. Right now, I'm in the office, okay? I work for Don Bailey. We are between Miramar Parkway and Pembroke Road on 441. Okay. Open it up anywhere near here. I'll be in there every day. All right. All right. I'll be at Norland sometimes. That's not that far. No, it's right down the street, like 10 minutes. Like yeah, 10 minutes. I'll be at Norland all the time. We're just north of Hard Rock. Norland's just south of Hard Rock. Well, but real quick, the one that you opened up, the first one, give, give tell us where it is or where people, you know, how people can find it. Um, It's on 62nd Street. Um, The address is 746 Northwest. 62nd Street, right across the street from Walgreens. Um, that's the Cools. We sell healthy food. We sell smoothies. Um, we have five dollar smoothies on Fridays and Saturdays. We, oh, were, nice. we use real fruit, um, not syrup, but real fruit in our smoothies. Um, providing healthy options. We cut our vegetables every day. Um, we do salad. So you know, just to come in there and eat healthy, something healthy, something clean, and feel good about yourself, what you're putting in your body. Hey, Vernon, bud, I appreciate you doing this. Seriously, I'm going to try and check that one out. But if you open up north in this way, you got to let us know. We will be by. All right. Appreciate you. Vernon, have a great night. Thank you, sir.